Welcome to the Innovation Cookbook, a podcast where we interview innovators and entrepreneurs in search of the recipes that led to their success and innovation. I'm your host, Andrew Greenstein, Head of Product Development at SF AppWorks, a custom software dev shop. Today's guest is Jeanette McLennan, President and Co-Founder of McLennan Group, a digital product and marketing innovation agency. They've done incredible innovation work for companies like Humana, Care First, AARP, Vanguard, and many others. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here today. Great. So I would really like to start by talking about your work with Humana. Uh, Humana, huge, great insurance company um, in the healthcare space. Um, one thing I love about insurance and healthcare is that all the interests are so aligned. Um, you know, healthcare companies, insurance companies, they want to save people's lives. There's an economic reason. There's a moral reason, of course. Um, and so that usually leads to really interesting work. Can you tell us about the work that you're doing with Humana? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And you're very right that in the healthcare space, it's nice to see such alignment. Um, And right now, with all the talk of health inequalities, it's really at the forefront of what Humana wants to accomplish. The innovation that we brought to them was around the notion that you have to know the whole person in order to be able to effectuate their health state. And there's been a lot of focus on that in the trades to say, if you're dealing with an individual with diabetes and you're only looking after their health um, separate from the rest of their lives, you're likely to be less successful in helping that diabetic live a full and productive life. So the work that we've been tapping into is to focus on what motivates an individual to actually um, achieve their best health and their best lives. And we find that by keying in on people's motivations and lifestyle preferences, we can be more effective communicators. We can get across complex ideas and solutions. We can help um, with their education level and knowledge, for instance, of diabetes and how to manage it. So how do you get to know the whole person from a digital product perspective? Well, in our innovation work, we have been perfecting a card sort game that we developed in partnership with AARP several years ago. And over the years, we've tuned it to be able to get to people's gifts, passions, impact and values. And through that process, which is a very simple, uh, very well-developed UX experience, you come out with a poster that is your purpose statement. And it's very simple, and yet it's so effective in that we've tested it through paper prototyping all the way through to its current developed state, And we've seen people really get in touch with important aspects of who they are. We then take that base of information and mix it together with clinical data and also with social determinants of health. The social determinants of health is an area where you're really focusing on where a person lives and um, things around them that could affect their health state. You know, simple examples are air quality, building inventory and, you know, a sense of whether you're living in an asbestos-laden building from years ago that was built at a different point in time. And we're taking all of those different data sets 
and putting them together so we have this sense of who the individual is, motivation and lifestyle, mixed with their clinical state, and then mixed with environmental factors from social determinants. And you end up with this extremely rich picture of who a person is, the things that matter to them, and the ways with which they can achieve their best health. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's very exciting work in that ultimately we're delivering this product solution via text messaging as well as email. So you're getting this very uh, precise series of communications that are helping you deal with your health state. Yeah, so I wanted to ask that it's a ton of data. And of course, with more sensors and wearables, the, the amount of data we're going to take in is, is only going to grow. How do you take all that data and turn it into useful or actionable services for Humana, let's say? Yeah, we focus on what's called gap closure. And gap closure is where you're taking, again, all of those data sets and being able to identify where are the gaps has its individual been coming in for their routine? Let's use the example of diabetes, or are they behind in following with their doctors about their diabetes? That's a very simple example, but those types of gaps are where people end up leaving this sort of preventative space and entering into a more high-risk state. So that's how we're taking that data and actually making it actionable it's identifying gaps and then figuring out ways to close those gaps. Is this the nudge engine? Yes, yes. I so love that the term. idea, exactly. Yeah, I know we do too. And the whole idea is that now that I have this sense of profile, who you are, where you are, et cetera, then through these communications, it's not a one off email or one off text message, it's a conversational set of nudges that we're sending your way and on a routine basis. So the idea there is to build trust, um, build some continuity, and a sense that you know, you're really trying to help me achieve my best health state. It's fascinating work. Sounds like it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how, from your perspective, Humana thinks about digital strategy, their approach to digital product development, having worked with them? What's that like? Yeah, it's been um, over a year and a half that we've been working with Humana. And um, a lot of what's going on in healthcare these days is a march towards value-based care. And in the world of value-based care, it is designed by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services to help payers like insurance companies like Humana or providers like your doctor share responsibility for not so much actions they've taken, but your complete health state. And what's going on in value-based care is actually the way the remuneration happens for a payer is changing. So an example could be that in what's called fee-for-service, you typically do an exam, do an x-ray, and be paid for executing that process, that procedure. Now it's much more about the results. How is this individual progressing? Is their diabetes getting under check? Are they doing their regular routines to support their health state? What's going on with their diet? Are they uh, getting into their routine appointments? So all of that is now the way uh, payers and providers, it's called, your doctor, 
and your insurance company get paid. And that march towards value-based care is, um, just as we began to talk, even more aligned with people's health state and this idea of, of helping people along the continuum to a healthy life. Is this something that you see as unique to Humana's approach, or is this something that a lot of the healthcare and insurance companies are, are thinking about? It's definitely an industry-wide movement to value-based care. So it's not just Humana. The interesting thing is the approaches within it. So what's unique about what we're doing with Humana is as much as value-based care is the theme, most um, interventions lack a sense of the person's motivation and lifestyle. That's clearly a unique area for us. So merging that sense of, you know, what makes me tick, what, what motivates me is unique to the work that we're doing with Humana with the, underneath the umbrella of value-based care. So you said about a year and a half ago um, was when, when you started working with Humana that there was a global pandemic that started around that same time. What was it like kicking off an engagement during that period and how have you seen changes throughout innovation in healthcare during the pandemic? It's a really good question, Andrew. There's usually not good news that's related to COVID, but, but I can say in this case, it's really encouraged the healthcare industry to adopt pretty significant change. Um, we've watched telehealth go completely mainstream, whereas um, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services wouldn't even reimburse uh, doctors or insurers for telehealth sessions. And now they do. It's been made a permanent part of the healthcare roster, if you will. How does a visit count? And telehealth did not count as recent as, you know, the start of the pandemic. So there's been a real openness to innovation and seeing the success, I think, in particular of telehealth has pushed initiatives like ours forward. The whole idea of behavioral economics and how you can actually apply things like the idea of peer influence is um, uh, one of the tactics that we use. So when you're getting a text message or an email that says, you know, 70% of seniors like you have done XYZ um, is a very powerful way to help people move to their best health. So we use a lot of these kinds of tactics to push it along, um, even recommending telehealth sessions. So it's, it's a place where we've been able to use the advancements in the healthcare industry, embracing digital to move our initiatives forward. So it's actually been helpful. I hate to say that COVID's been helpful for anything, but in that sense, it's pushed innovation. Yeah, it's created a need to allow these things to happen. Um, you know, you mentioned wealth inequalities earlier in healthcare. Is the change during the pandemic exacerbating health inequalities, or is it closing the gap a little bit? Oh, it's it's throwing a spotlight on the fact that you know health inequality is uh, sadly very strong and even stronger because of COVID. You know, the incidence of non-vaccinated people in minority groups is, I, I don't have the exact figures, but it's significant. Some of the work we hope to do are particularly in black and brown communities where they need 
a certain level of education. They need different forms of outreach. How do you reach a, a first generation immigrant where three quarters of their family is still in another country? We're excited about applying things like WhatsApp as a way to reach people where they are. So we're very excited about where our nudge engine can go to service all kinds of communities. So McLennan Group has acted as sort of an innovation as a service for several organizations. If you're an organization thinking about how to apply innovation, how to build up an innovation team internally or externally, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about? Um, we're big advocates of human-centered design. Um, and in that process, you're really breaking down all of the research you need to do to understand what's happening in a particular area, be it a product or a service. We're very big on utilization of qualitative and quantitative research as a way to uncover real insights, making sure you're getting to a true pain point that needs innovation. With that as a backdrop, we then really recommend doing prototype work and that you want to kind of take a mini scale, almost like a model of a home and tinker with it and understand how it best solves a pain point. And in doing that, you're going to spend less dollars, but ultimately have more evidence that you've got a winning solution and also de-risk a full investment in a product solution. Um, and so there are steps you take. Um, it's very collaborative. We embed often with our clients, working shoulder to shoulder. We work in very rapid two-week sprint cycles. So we don't end up in you know, research paralysis to ultimately get to um, a mapping of the pain point to a potential solution and prototype it. So you can really understand how functionally, it will behave um, in the wild, we call it. So kind of getting out of the classic qualitative and quantitative research and much into like the street with real people and real users. Um, it's an exciting process and it doesn't have to take super long. Usually those types of cycles of discovery of pain point and building of prototype can be six to eight month project. And so when you think about investing in a, in a true development of a product, which could take much longer, you're going to enter that phase having de-risked the opportunity and really tested it out. And uh, if you were trying to start an innovation group internally, what would be the, I don't know, three to five first hires you would make? It's an interesting question because um, we do find that you want maybe one or two strong research-based, maybe business analyst types that can work alongside the team. I will say I've seen too many times where a large team is built out before they've really run through some cycles of innovation. So I wouldn't recommend user experience or design or copy and surely not developers. You're much more focused on individuals who can help uncover a pain point would be the place I would start. Start by understanding the problem, then start thinking about how to test or prototype, and then start thinking about building things out. Totally. Yeah. 
I want to get you out of here on this question. What do you see coming as the future of healthcare? What are some of the things that you know, you've been thinking about that you see in our future? What we're very focused on is having almost like a concierge in your pocket, you know, someone who's going to really help you unwind the complicated world of healthcare, help you really utilize your benefits, whether you're in a private, we call it commercial plan, because you haven't hit 65 yet. And there's as much need to navigate your health plan as it is for the 65 plus crowd that obviously has more health vulnerability. But what I see is this idea of being able to really master this notion of living your best life and being able to have what every person deserves the ability to achieve and be supported by good health care, no matter where you are, no matter what your economic status may be, no matter what your racial or ethnic background may be. That's what gets me really excited and that the advent of technology allows us to be so much more aware of our health state and our overall well-being. And we're seeing that as well. Another issue with COVID is all the mental health issues that we're seeing in all ages, where life is extremely stressful right now. And so being able to have tools that help you master your way through it is, you know, something that's real important to me. And something that's useful and important to everyone. Yes, yes. I so agree, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insights, Jeanette. Uh, Really fascinating work you're doing. Keep it up. And if anyone wants to know more about the McLennan Group, they can check them out at mclennangroup.com. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I have a wonderful day and a healthy one. (laughs) (laughs) You too. Thank you. The Innovation Cookbook is brought to you by SF AppWorks. We help companies and entrepreneurs ideate, design, prototype, and develop game-changing software. For more episodes, search for The Innovation Cookbook wherever you listen to podcasts, or check us out at sfappworks.com. Special thanks to Andre Georgerman for editing, Leah Ardelion for marketing, and Svetlana Golovnia and Yulia Zubak for finding great guests to share their knowledge with us. The music was created by Pattern Based. Until next time. <laughs>